Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, hour two. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. Glad to have you with me. Now, the phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the program. I want to say something real quick. Uh, This time yesterday, I was talking about the the wokes and the transgender stuff and mentioned Boston Children's Hospital. Uh, They apparently, there's a story out um, that they've had to beef up security after all of this came out about them and minors. Now, they deny that they perform these sort of gender uh, reassignment sex change surgeries. They call them gender affirming surgeries on anyone under 18. The libs of TikTok account, um, has some documentation that apparently they, they may have changed, uh, stuff on their website to reflect that. That wasn't clear ahead of time. Um, but I don't know that you need to send the mob after them. You need to be aware of it for your own family's protection. Um, but nonetheless, they, they they are claiming that anyone who says they perform these sorts of surgeries on anyone under 18 is lying. Um, and so I want to make sure having spent time on the story yesterday to tell you that's what they say. Um, others disagree with them. The PolitiFact people agree with them, but then I don't put much stock in PolitiFact. That's not, however, what I want to talk about in this hour. Um, we need to talk about inflation because... It's not good. Um, Before I talk about inflation, though, I'm going to shake things up. Something I was going to not spend a lot of time on, I want to spend more time on. So we'll get to inflation. But first, let's talk about the Black Hammer. I didn't know the Black Hammer was a thing. Have you heard of the Black Hammer? It's a political party, apparently, or some such. It's an extremist group that preaches violent revolution against the United States government. It is a black nationalist movement. It's under investigation by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and a local police department in Georgia, Fayetteville, Georgia, police department. On charges ranging from weapons offensive and narcotics to kidnapping and human trafficking. Now, here's what I find notable on this. In the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they have this story. Now, I, I want to read for you this, and you you need to listen to this. You need to pay attention to this. A federal indictment unsealed in Tampa, Florida, implicates Roman, or Romaine, one of the individuals involved with the Black Hammer Party, and the Black Hammer Party, in an alleged scheme by a Russian citizen with Kremlin connections to sow discord in the United States by paying fringe groups to protest and involve themselves in local politics. The indictment includes groups in Florida and California, as well as the Black Hammer Party, an unindicted co-conspirator to the plot. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about the Black Hammer Party? Not the Black Panther Party, the Black Hammer Party. 
a black nationalist group calling for a violent revolution against the United States that is an unindicted co-conspirator in a case involving a Russian citizen with Kremlin ties funding fringe groups in the United States to protest and involve themselves in local politics. Have you heard about this? Because I assure you, if this had been a right-wing militia group, it would be on the front page of the New York Times. If this was a right-wing fringe group, it would be all over MSNBC and CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, and the White House would be denouncing it. They'd be having a special press conference to tell you all about it. But it's a black nationalist group. So I bet you haven't heard of it. I bet you haven't heard of the story. Let me get into some of the details here. Fayetteville police gang investigator Diana Snyder testified she's been investigating the organization for several months since she read a newspaper article about the group earlier this year that revealed they had moved their base of operations to the suburbs. She was contacted by the FBI opening its own investigation into the group. The investigation involves possible crimes involving firearms, narcotics, kidnapping, and sex trafficking, just to name a few. The group has been under surveillance by the FBI, which was monitoring its recruitment and... That's your cue to listen to this part. Arming homeless men as a security force and strong-arming college students for donations while panhandling near Woodruff Park in downtown Atlanta. The testimony came during a lengthy hearing on charges stemming from a separate incident that involved a 911 call on July 19th from the group's home A person called authorities claiming he had been kidnapped by the group and was being held at gunpoint in a locked garage. Black Hammer leader Augustus Claudius Romaine Jr., 36, known as Gazi Kadzo, and a top lieutenant, Xavier Kino Russian, were arrested and charged with kidnapping, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, conspiracy to commit a felony, and taking part in street gang activity. In addition, Romaine was charged with forcibly sodomizing one of the victims. Something Snyder claimed her investigation revealed was a pattern of behavior by the erratic group leader who used sex with him as a method of obtaining rank within the organization. While the conspiracy charges were dropped at the request of prosecutors, Magistrate Judge uh, Dunkelberger bound the two men over for trial on the other felonies without a bond. Good for the judge. But prosecutors face hurdles. The alleged victim of the assault would not speak to police. The other alleged kidnapping victim is homeless. The group claims on its social media is being attacked by federal authorities for its political activities. Defense attorneys hammered police witnesses Tuesday about the reliability of the information leading to the arrests and questioned why the activity of a group that styles itself a political organization qualifies as a street gang. Fayetteville detective said of the victim, alleged victim, that he and another Black Hammer recruit had been forced into a locked garage and held at gunpoint. When the alleged victim refused the leader's order that everyone go to bed at 8 p.m., 
because they had a protest the next day. It was inside the garage when the alleged victim says the leader of the group, Romaine, sexually assaulted another man in front of him while people held guns on them. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is a group that wants to call for the violent overthrow of the United States government. There's a picture of one of the protesters for the Black Hammer group wearing a sign that says Black Power Matters. And he has a megaphone standing in downtown Atlanta. What I find most notable is this case in Tampa, Florida. A federal indictment implicating this group as an unindicted co-conspirator in a plot based on the Kremlin to sow discord in the United States. The Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice announced back in July that Alexander Viktorovich Yanov, a Russian national with Kremlin connections, was funding fringe political groups in Georgia, Florida, and California, directing them to publish pro-Russian propaganda as well as other information designed to cause dissension in the United States and to promote secessionist ideologies. Secret foreign government efforts to influence American elections and political groups threaten our democracy by spreading misinformation, distrust, and mayhem, said the Assistant Attorney General. According to the indictment, Ianov lives in Moscow. He paid for members of the Black Hammer Party to travel to San Francisco in March to protest Facebook's censorship of posts supporting Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The influence went so far as to direct Black Hammer members on the designs of signs for the protest. Yanov, as president of the anti-globalization movement of Russia, and describes himself as a human rights activist, but federal authorities claim he works for the FSB, the successor to the Soviet-era KGB. The indictments claim, or the indictment claims, Yanov used his organization to recruit dissident groups in the Soviet, in, in the United States, to advocate for secession and promote Russian talking points. Whether independently or under Enov's direction, much of the Black Hammer Party's activities have leaned towards the Russian worldview. In addition, Kodzo, who's one of the leaders there, and the Black Hammer Party have protested against COVID-19 vaccines and announced an alliance with the far-right Proud Boys. Now, again, how much in the American media have you heard about the Proud Boys? You've heard about the Proud Boys in January 6th. You've heard about the Proud Boys at Charlottesville. When have you heard about the Black Hammer Party? This strikes me like the shootings in Chicago. You never hear about the mass shootings in Chicago. And we're not allowed to talk about those because it's in the black community. We're not supposed to talk about them. We have an organization in this country that has been named in a federal indictment 
as using Moscow talking points to spread secessionist themes and revolutionary theme, themes in the United States. If this group was white, you and I both know darn well the American media would be all over this. It would be on the front page of the New York Times. It would be on the front page of the Washington Post. It would be the lead story on Don Lemon's show on CNN. It would be all over MSNBC. It would be everywhere. Look at how much they've covered the Proud Boys. This organization appears to have been sent to California to protest Facebook. Then there's Florida and Georgia and Colorado. There's another one. It's called the Uhuru Movement, a socialist group based in Tampa, Florida. The Uhuru movement, is that like Uhuru? For Yes, guess what? It's socialist African internationalist movement. What? Another one. We've got a second group involved in this, a second group involved, and they're both black nationalist secessionist movements. Oh, my gosh, they're not the white, radical, Republican, fringe, Trump-supporting Proud Boys. So you're not allowed to talk about them? It's the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that's covered this? Not the New York Times, not CNN, not MSNBC. You have the Russians implicating two secessionist African pan-nationalist groups in the United States. And the national media won't cover them. And there's one guess why. They're not white Trump supporters. And yet, for all the talk about the Russians paying groups in this country, to sow discord in this country, the two groups named in a federal indictment are African nationalist separatist movements who want to violently overthrow the government. And yet all you hear from the mainstream media is about those right-wing wackadoos. I wonder why that is. By the way, uh, just real quick, I want to I want to make a, a further statement on the last story I talked about. There are undoubtedly some right wing fringe groups the Russians are paying as well. Absolutely, guarantee you there are, and that's when the media will choose to cover the story. Um, it, it would absolutely be national news the moment a right wing fringe group is found to be getting money from Russia, but these are two uh, militantly anti-American black nationalist groups, and the media is not going to cover those, and you and I both know that it has everything to do with the race of the groups, which is just ridiculous. Now, to the phones. TJ, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> I'm thrilled to talk to you. Thank you. Um, wanted to thank you first for making me laugh making me think, and overall making me act. I actually retired from my job um, recently. I worked for a very large university in the Central Florida area, and there was an edict put out that you were required to post your pronouns <laughs> on the university's directory website, um, which is available to uh staff and the public. Mm -hmm. um, so I posted mine as American and constitutionalist, and I was quickly um, told that that was unacceptable and those were not considered pronouns. And I gave my two weeks notice the next day because that was kind of the end of the overall last two years of crazy. 
Good um, grief. The other thing that you have encouraged me or inspired me to do is a neighbor, a neighborhood group that we formed that we call RAD, which is Random Acts of Decency. Um, I really believe that you you have inspired not, hey, it's not just about kindness. It's about decency and being that person that is a catalyst. So today we went to the local early polling location where there is a line of people out front with signs for every possible candidate. Um, we have a lot of like six person primaries right now in both uh, both sides mm-hmm. of the ballot. And we handed out popsicles, those red, white and blue popsicles um, to all the people standing there with signs. With a little note that said, a little note that said, regardless of who you are supporting, you are the active example of our founder's vision. Oh, that's fantastic. That makes me happy to hear. Thank you so much for sharing. I, I Well, look, and just know that you were the catalyst. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I got to let you go there because I got to do the ad read, but I, I appreciate it. That makes my day. Uh, just, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I, you know, I've got a dog in the fight. I got my views on who I wish you would support, but just participate in the process. Even if I disagree with you, participating, just being decent to other people who disagree with you is part of what we're supposed to do as Americans. Uh, The other side is not your enemy. They just disagree with you. Welcome. The phone number is, as the voice said, 877-973-7425. Uh, A housekeeping note for those of you in the metro Atlanta area listening on my flagship station, WSB, uh, Governor Brian Kemp uh, is going to sit down with me at 3.06 p.m. today uh, on WSB, preempting Sean Hannity on WSB. He couldn't join uh, me during these three hours nationally, so we're going to – I was able to to preempt Hannity today, so stick around. Um, I'll have four hours on uh, WSB today. Uh, for everybody else, though, we got to talk about the inflation story here. I want to actually play you a couple of clips of audio. First of all, this is uh, Brian Deese from the White House. He's the 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 whatever for the Economic Council in the White House uh, Executive Director. Listen to this. Well, look, you've seen a lot of economists, a lot of experts, former Treasury secretaries of both political parties and economists, including those who have been critical of us in the past, say that this is the most meaningful step that Congress and the president can take to try to reduce price pressures in the economy. And the principal driver behind that is that it's reducing the deficit. So it's complementary to what the Federal Reserve is trying to do at the same time that it's actually providing those direct savings to consumers. And so, look, there are different models that show different magnitudes of impact. Uh, But one place I would say that I think most models underestimate is on the energy side. This bill will increase supply of energy, more affordable energy in the United States. And the the easing of price pressures that will happen in the economy when we have more secure supply, more reliable supply and lower cost supply of energy, that filters through not only to household balance sheets, but for companies and investment, our industrial production in the United States. So this bill is doing the sensible long-term reforms that we need, like on energy and prescription drugs, but in a way that moves us in the right direction on inflation in the short term as well. Moves us in the right direction of inflation. Actually, uh, there's no group in America that says that. Jeffrey Sachs 
was on CNBC earlier today. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Jeffrey Sachs is, he is a pretty famous American economist. Uh, he is a big advocate of sustainable development, among other things. He is widely respected in the world. Um, he is Keynesian, which means he's a demand-side uh, liberal economist. He's not a conservative. And this is him on CNBC. Let's talk yeah. about the impact on prices. Um, Democrats probably got this bill passed because, in part, they called it the Inflation Reduction Act. Is that just a marketing tool, or will it have an impact on prices coming down? Completely marketing tool. <laughs> this is uh, that that was a, a title that seemed to work better than Build Back Better, <laughs> and so they they went with that. But the inflation we're experiencing now is not addressed at all in this legislation. There are perhaps some cost containments down the road in a few years on some drug prices, which which will be helpful. Uh, but basically, this isn't about inflation reduction. That's uh, that's marketing uh, because we have inflation. Where's the inflation coming from? From the dislocations in the world economy and the Fed back in 2020 pumping up the money supply in response to the pandemic and the other dislocations. And now we have the war, the sanctions, uh, we have the tensions with China. We've really ginned up a bit of a mess and this legislation doesn't address that at all. So that's just a title. Uh, it's not really about inflation reduction. It may have some tiny effects down the road, uh, but uh, nothing, nothing real about our current inflationary challenges. Oh. Nothing really to do with inflation. Well, you know who else seems to agree? Joe Biden. He signed the legislation into law. Listen to how Joe Biden covered his Inflation Reduction Act. This new law also provides tax credits that's going to create tens of thousands of good-paying jobs, and clean energy manufacturing jobs, solar factories in the Midwest and the South, wind farms across the plains and off our shores, clean hydrogen projects, and more all across America, every part of America. This bill is the biggest step forward on climate ever, ever. And it's going to allow, it's going to allow us to boldly take additional steps toward meeting all of my climate goals and the ones we set out when we ran. It includes ensuring that we create clean energy opportunities in frontline and fence-line communities that have been smothered smothered by the legacy of pollution and fight environmental injustice that's been going on for so long. Now, I'm sorry, but I thought this was about inflation. Thought it was about an inflation. Uh, listen to this. Uh, so Cecilia Rouse, one of the White House economic advisors and spokespeople, uh, listen to this exchange. Democrats titled this bill the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which begs, of course, for voters to hold you all accountable to that. The Congressional Budget Office, you know this, but to remind viewers, the Congressional Budget Office, the nonpartisan kind of scoring organization for um, legislation, says that the bill would have negligible impact on inflation this year and next. Are you personally comfortable as an economist calling it the Inflation Reduction Act? So this bill represents really important investments we know we need to make that help to expand our economic capacity. Inflation happens when we have too much demand for the supply, and we know we need to be 
uh, investing in the supply support so that we are better able as a country uh, to address issues like inflation going forward. So this will increase our economic growth. And because of how we plan to implement it and provisions in the bill, uh, it will, that growth will be more equitably shared. But if you passed a bill called the Fill Every Pothole Act, I mean, voters should expect you to fill every pothole. I mean, so should voters measure the success of this bill on how much you reduce inflation in the next couple of years? <laughs> she didn't have an answer for that, by the way. Didn't have an answer for it. Um, a, a remarkable, by the way, question there at the end. If, if you call it the Fill Every Pothole Bill, shouldn't the voters measure this by whether or not you get the potholes filled? She literally had no answer for the question. This is a problem. And I should uh, tell you that the Dow, as I'm talking right now, is down 164 points. The NASDAQ is down 166, and the S&P 500 is down 30. Why? Because Treasury yields have gone up. That means there's more and more expectation of a recession not only is there more and more expectation of a recession, uh, but there's also the other reason stocks and bonds are down is because of data out of the UK. Inflation in the United Kingdom skyrocketed. A 10.1% increase in the UK compared to an 8.5% increase in the United States. Uh, a lot of people are beginning to get worried about the UK. It is a financial, major financial center in the world. The FTSE, which is their financial index there, um, is in a mess today. The global economy is not doing well. If you look at China, the Chinese economy is actually doing worse than most. One of the advantages China has over the rest of the world is the Communist Party controls everything so it can manipulate the data. And so China can make itself appear to have a rosier economy than others. And when even China has to give up on trying and acknowledge that it is uh, in a terrible place, and its economy is not doing well, uh, that sends a signal to the world that when the Chicoms can't fudge it, the rest of the world's going to have some problems too. The reason gas prices have come down, you know, Joe Biden now wants to take credit for the gas prices coming down, but the reason the gas prices are coming down is because the world economy is slowing down and you see it in China and elsewhere. Now you have the inflationary data, which means that the Federal Reserve is probably going to raise rates some more which means there's even going to be more a higher cost. Home builders already say they're seeing a recession right now. Uh, home builders are seeing a recession because nobody can afford a house right now. Wages have declined while on paper they're going up because inflation's going up so much more. Wages, real home, real take-home pay has actually gone down significantly. Every month since Joe Biden signed his stimulus plan last year over COVID, real take-home pay has gone down. And now single people are having a real big problem. And interestingly enough, single people tend to lean to the Democratic Party. And because of the Democrats' policies, they're having a hard time. This is from the Wall Street Journal. It is better financially to be married than single, as has almost always been the case. 
But the money gap between young married couples and singles has widened thanks to inflation and rising home prices. The median net worth of married couples 25 to 34 was nearly nine times as much as the median net worth of single households in 2019, according to the most recent data from the Fed. In 2010, married households' median net worth was four times as much. And now, after a spell of rapid inflation and more than two years of pandemic living, single people are getting left further behind. The 25 to 34-year-old age is a time of transition. It's a time of household formation. And I think it matters whether or not you can pool your financial resources with someone else, says Lowell Ricketts, a data scientist for the Institute for Economic Equality at the St. Louis Fed. Married people are being tested by inflation too. It's just they have a larger shared cushion, often with two incomes and pooled assets. They hold a greater concentration of wealth and considerably less debt. Having combined assets was particularly helpful over the past decade as many households' wealth was compounded by rising housing prices and a strong stock market. As people marry later, the number of sole person households is growing, which means more single people are tackling multiple financial challenges entirely on their own. Now, here's the thing. Well, first of all, I, I would note that one of the people they profile is a 27-year-old library cataloger. I make no comment on the job other than to suggest that um, I suspect a library cataloger doesn't pay very well. If you love your job, it doesn't pay well. You're still blessed to have it, though. But being single and a library cataloger, I bet, is tough. Being married and having a spouse who has a higher income that you can pull together works. But also, don't underestimate being married and having only one income. Because oftentimes what you can find is that if you have a two-married household where only one of the people in the household works, that household outperforms as well. Because one spouse is devoted to taking care of the kids so you don't have the child-raising costs that a two-parent working household has. Uh, you know, my wife actually wound up deciding to stay at home in large part because we realized that we were paying as much as she brought home for daycare. So why bother paying for daycare when she could be home with the kids? And for a while, it was a real struggle because uh, I actually was not making a ton of money at the time, but um, it made no sense to us for her to be going to work solely for the cost of daycare when she could just stay home and eliminate that expense right there. Uh, and it's worked out over time. Um, we have a problem in the country with the rise of people postponing marriage until later in life. And I'm telling you, uh, the, the old rule I think still bears out, um, finish high school, go to college if you want and get a degree, but get married young, in your 20s, stay married, have children, and you tend to do successfully much better than other people. When you get married later in life and you put off having kids, it tends to put you further behind. But more importantly, when you stay young and single, when you don't finish high school, all those sorts of things have a detrimental impact on you. And we are no longer in the good times we once were. And we are so used to being able to live on a day-to-day -day basis and not think about long-term and long-term strategies. You got to really think about long-term. You're going to be living a long time. Lifespans have increased. 
What are you going to do to put yourself in a good position? And honestly, it's get married, stay married, have kids, make sure you've got your degree from high school, get a job, hold a job, build your business, build your job, build your career, build your resume. But get married, stay married, have kids actually tends to be a beneficial, impactful way to build a healthy living lifestyle and income long-term. And it seems counterintuitive because kids are expensive, but actually helps you long-term for reasons sometimes we have a hard time understanding, but it's true and the data holds it up. So think about that. Um, Married couples right now doing far better dealing with inflation than single people. And also, by the way, if you're a married couple and you have single friends, invite them over for dinner. They're struggling right now. Don't invite them over to set them up for a date. Just invite them over for dinner. You got single friends who could use the help right now. Seriously. Now, Jim, you're telling me something. Eden Pure, that's right. I didn't have it pulled up to tell you. I had to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. So I had to talk to Jim. The voice you never hear, but the man who knows everything. Now, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, it is the air purifier that I use. Now, I got to be honest with you. I don't necessarily use mine just for pollen and dust and mildew and mold and bacteria. It does those things. But where I really use the Eden Pure Thunderstorm is odor elimination. And that's why I keep one in my suitcase. I've got my travel bag and there is always an Eden Pure Thunderstorm in there because I have had multiple experiences. If I go visit my family or something, traveling a lot and I run a rental car and someone's been smoking in it or they've had a pet in it or I go to a hotel room in an old building and it's musty, fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and it just wipes out the odors. It does so good at this. You can get three of them for less than $200. So you have one for your travel bag. You have one for your basement where it gets that musty smell, one for your kitchen or upstairs and they just work. Less than $200, you get three of them. You go to EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms and you'll get free shipping. You'll save a great bit of money. The website is EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code, you'll see it on the front page of the website. There's the code box. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3, no space, at EdenPureDeals.com. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Uh, there's been a terror attack in Israel. This isn't going to get a lot of press coverage, and it should. Five Americans have been injured in a terror attack. A Brooklyn man shielded his family. It was a bus attack in Jerusalem The Brooklyn man's in critical condition. The father was shot in the face and the neck, but got up and pulled the son to safety. A pregnant woman was shot and is fighting for her life. What's notable about this, in addition to the Americans who were wounded, is that Fatah and Hamas, the two terror groups, have praised the attack. The family of the terrorist responsible is probably going to receive money from the Martyrs Fund. This is a fund used by terrorist group to encourage and embolden people to go die for their terrorist cause. Here, I bet, is what you do not know. You fund the Martyrs Fund. That's right. USAID funds it. Congress passed the Taylor Force Act, bipartisan legislation in 2018, which cut a third of its aid 
to the Palestinian Authority until they stopped incentivizing terrorism. The Biden administration has been trying to circumvent the law and restore most of that aid uh, to the Palestinian Authority. It is that aid that we send them. Money is fungible, and it offsets money the Palestinian Authority puts into the martyr fund. So you keep that in mind that with the Biden administration, the Biden administration wants to give this money to the Palestinian Authority, which puts the money in the martyr fund that pays the terrorist families, and a terrorist's family is going to get money after the terrorists just attacked a group of Americans in Jerusalem. Keep that in mind, Brandon. Brandon.